The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Over 40% of older renters expect to rent for the rest of their lives. That's according to Threshold and Alone. The report found that older age profiles, health conditions and illness, low income and family composition affect the possibility of securing accommodation. Now, I'm joined in studio by Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Midwest, spokesperson on housing, Owen Brin. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, this is a problem. It's uh, maybe accelerating in its uh, size, but it's been a problem that's been there uh, forever, really, that older people... Um, who've been renting all their lives, they have a job, they can afford the rent, but rents creep up as they do with inflation and suddenly incomes go down and you have a crisis. Sure. I mean, it it hasn't always been there um, and it has been getting significantly worse in recent years. I mean, I think, for example, the the decision of Micheline Walsh uh, on Saturday of last week in the Irish Times and then in media outlets since then, 78-year-old woman uh, with a husband with significant medical issues, uh, uh, overholding in their rental property now for six weeks with no idea of where they're going to go facing imminent homelessness. I think that's really brought home to people that this isn't a, an abstract issue. It's not an issue of numbers. This is real human beings. And the idea that we would allow our housing system to get to such an extent is a state where people in their 60s, 70s and in some cases 80s are living with that level of insecurity at risk of homelessness or as we've seen 40% increase in, in uh, over 65s in emergency accommodation since Dara O'Brien became minister. It really is truly shocking. And the problem is when you look at other jurisdictions, if you look at England, if you look at uh, France, if you look at the Scandinavian countries, they've ensured that both within their public and their private housing stock over years, they adequately make provision for people as they get older in life, either for the rents to be able to decrease in affordable ways or to be able to move either you know, from larger homes to smaller homes in appropriate locations or or from private homes to public homes. Uh, our housing system is just blind to the needs of older mm-hmm. people and thanks to, to organisations like Threshold and Alone who have been shouting about this for years and again the report today is very important. It shines a light on an aspect of our housing crisis that is often overlooked, but for which there are solutions if government had the political will to implement them. Now, the the solutions, obviously, more supply and appropriate supply. Um, But even where we have local authorities with uh, housing stock, often you will have people who are inappropriately accommodated now, not because it's the wrong area for them and not because it hasn't been their own home, but because they have too much space for uh, their needs at the time. And the councils don't seem to have adopted the idea of asking gently and politely and with lots of notice someone to move into a a smaller council provided accommodation, possibly with a better BER, lower uh, energy ratings and so on. Councils don't seem to have been planning for this. And it may well be that our housing for the last decade has been, uh, you know, a crisis, an emergency rather than something that is planned in a rational way. Well, the central problem is government policy for decades hasn't been planning for this. Uh, Some local authorities are doing good work. My own local authority in South Dublin increasingly now when they do small, what we call infill social housing schemes in existing estates, prioritise one bedroom bungalows, dormer bungalows and two storey flats primarily to allow local people living in that area, not just social housing tenants, by the way, also private homeowners who can buy into the schemes to, to right size. And the value of that is exactly as you say, it gives those older people within their existing communities and their support networks more appropriate, more comfortable, more affordable homes. That also then frees up uh, uh, two beds, three beds and four beds for the more general housing needs uh, uh, on the social housing list. But isn't there a reluctance on councils and, and housing 
housing managers to actually uh, analyse the, the properties that they have on their books forensically and say, well, that woman, she had three children, she's now widowed, she's living in a house which could house a, a family. Uh, and they don't approach that woman uh, for a number of reasons. Sensitivity, perhaps, number one, uh, because no one wants to throw anyone out of the home they love and have loved for years. But secondly, they have nothing to offer her. For example, in, again, in my own local authority, and this would be similar with my colleagues elsewhere in the country, the local authorities have a long list uh, of people in their 50s, 60s and 70s who are asking to right-size. Uh, and if, therefore, the council know what the demand is. But if government policy and government funding doesn't match that, uh, then you don't get the desired results. But you've also got a very large number of people for whom uh, either their income is too high or the type of employment that they've had is such that they're not eligible for social housing but have never been able to buy. And this is what I, I think today's alone and Threshold Report really speaks to. Uh, those are people, for example, who if government had properly invested in affordable cost rental over many years, they would also have housing options, which would mean they'd pay a cost rent with no subsidy. But cost rental, in fairness, is a, a fairly novel idea in this it's, jurisdiction. It's not. Uh, uh, the very in first, this jurisdiction. The, the very first cost rental homes in this state were in the 1920s. Uh, uh, the first uh, public housing of the Cumann and Gale government after the establishment of the Free State was cost rental. The National Economic and Social Council since 2005 in a landmark report uh, have been calling for this. The housing agency for over a decade have been calling for this as have opposition. No, but no, when you say cost rental um, I mean now because the cost of housing is so high it has been given a label but uh, what you're talking about is they build uh, an apartment complex for example they look at what it costs them and they try to minimise the rent based on what it's cost them. And what they do is... And, and amortise is, it over 40 is, years or whatever. Is, is when we did it, for example, here in the 20s and what they do in other countries is it's full cost recovery over a 60-year period 60, and that brings okay. the rent down to genuinely affordable levels. The difficulty here is not only is government not delivering a sufficient volume of cost rental, uh, uh, but they're mangling the concept to such an extent that, for example, now to, to buy into a cost rental apartment, for example, in City West or in Delgany or in Kildare Mead, it's 14 or 1500 euros a month. So what we need to see from government is a number of things. First of all, because of the imminent risk of a rise in homelessness, particularly for uh, uh, families like Micheline Walsh and others, where people have nowhere else to go, there needs to be a temporary reinstatement of the ban on no-fault evictions. But more importantly, we need an emergency response from government to dramatically increase, using emergency planning and procurement powers and new building technologies, a supply of homes, particularly one-bed uh, bungalows and dormer bungalows to get people out of emergency or prevent them going in for emergency. But the most important thing then is for government to accept their social and affordable housing targets are too low, are not being met and don't meet the needs uh, of our ageing population. And until government gets their head around that and starts changing their housing plan, this problem unfortunately now, will get the worse. the government will say um, that they're building to capacity. I know you've said to me before in this programme that, you know, stop building data centres, stop building office blocks, stop building, you know, larger projects and concentrate on, on housing. But you are depending on the building companies, the developers and so on to do it because I don't think any council has the ability to build houses itself. It'll always be employing builders to build houses. It has lost the capacity even to do minor repairs. Uh, uh, you're right. Um, but for example, we had a, a, an Oireachtas housing committee this week looking at new building technologies and we had a whole variety of, of, of uh, interest there. And what they were saying, for example, is the Office of Public Works has just completed a pilot uh, on a 700 modular homes for temporary accommodation uh, for people fleeing the war in Ukraine and that's a very good thing. What industry is telling us is if government were to put in place a five-year pipeline they could dramatically scale up the delivery of high quality 
100 year homes, 90 square metres, 80 square metres, 70 square metres that can be built uh, and put on site within 11 to 24 weeks. What they're lacking is the pipeline of work. So you're right, there's constraints in traditional building, but there are huge opportunities in new building technologies. It is cleaner, it is quicker, it is easier on the environment. Uh, and if government were to lead, and this was coming not only from industry, but also from the Royal Institute of Architects and, and from other bodies. We had Quilch in with us uh, two weeks ago in committee making the same point. There is a capacity in that sector to grow. And again, that's why, for example, in an opinion piece I've written in the Irish Times today, I've made the case that particularly in the context of an extension of the ban on no-fault evictions, government could commission a thousand high-quality permanent homes, primarily for people in emergency accommodation and particularly for people over 65, but also to allow for those right-sizing options that you mentioned to free up larger homes for folks who are also in emergency accommodation. There, this is not a question no. of capacity or money. This is a political mm-hmm. choice. But and trying to um, start, say, building, you know, these insulated panels, which allow for very quick construction. And I mean, there are uh, firms in, in Germany, for example, Huffhaus and people like that, who build houses out of kits and can assemble a house once it's designed and manufactured in a factory in about three weeks. Um, we don't have that kind of enterprise here at the we moment. Do, and and this, is, this is really important. We absolutely do. We have some really cutting edge companies. Some, by the way, are coming out of the public sector, led by Quilcher, other are private sector. What they don't have is a pipeline of work over five years to allow them to scale up their operations. They have been calling on government to give them that pipeline of work. Uh, and when I, I visit some of these factories, I've seen the quality of, of the materials. These are high quality homes that meet every fire safety and building control standard. What government needs to do is get up off its backside, provide the framework agreements and deliver, for example, a minimum of a thousand additional public homes. You could end homelessness for people over the age of 65 in a very short period of time. Only 175 people over that age are in emergency accommodation. Many more are at risk, but it requires a political choice and to date, not only have government not supplied enough social affordable homes, the homes that they're providing, despite the good work of some local authorities, are blind to the need of older people. Government needs to get its act together so that people like Micheline Walsh and others don't I'll, end up I'll in I'll read you just some comments to conclude. We live in a three-bed semi owned by a housing association. We look to downsize to a smaller home. The housing association could not accommodate our downsizing, referred us to the council, where we were told we'd be at the back of the queue with no credit given for handing back a three-bedroomed house. We're still here and no move on the horizon. Another one. Myself and my wife are living in a four-bedroom bungalow on a large site. We'd gladly move to a smaller house, allowing a larger family to purchase ours. Our family have grown up and moved out. The problem is there are no downsize options that provide quality living space. We don't want an apartment. I know of many people in a similar situation. Uh, please ask on about people who are renting in their 40s, early 50s, both working, not on HAP or Ross, earning good wages, uh, earning thresholds above the max you qualify for any assistance to buy. What options are available to us? So hard to save for a deposit while you're paying rent. And that particular cohort of people, and I work with a lot of people, particularly as they get into their 50s who are in that situation, if government was delivering a very, very large volume of good quality, affordable cost rental, it would meet the needs of those households, not just in the short, but in the medium and long term. And their rent could then fall to an appropriate level when they hit pension age. I work with a lot of people approaching pension age. They know they're going to get an occupational pension that will put them above the threshold for social housing, but unable to afford private sector rents. Large scale public housing, social, affordable rental, affordable purchase is the answer. 
government is not doing that and that's why we have these people in these kinds of situations. Mm. Owner Bryn Sinn Féin TD for Dublin Midwest, spokesman on housing. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.